Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi, that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. If you have a copy of God's Word, we are continuing our study of who is your one. A number of Southern Baptist churches are going through a similar study. And actually, what the Southern Baptist Convention has put out are the lesson plans that we are actually going through in Connect. We will be looking at these five different lessons or five different um, passages in Connect about who's your one. But I have um, taken the Gospel of John and, and looked through the Gospel and seen where Jesus had conversations with individuals and came up with our sermon series from John's Gospel. And today we are in John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is an account of Jesus and the woman at the well. And so I'm going to read for us the first 25 or 26 verses, actually verses 7 through 26. As I read it, I want you to be thinking about their conversation. Okay, we're going to talk about their conversation. We're going to see three factors of their conversation this morning. But I want you to be thinking about their conversation. The questions that are raised. The the answers that are, are given. The answers that aren't given. How deep this conversation goes and how fast it gets there. So as I read for us the verses and and we see the account of this conversation, think about those two individuals and think about what the conversation truly is about. And we will see that as verse 22 through verse 26 come about. Here's John's record of the account. John chapter 4, verse 7 and following. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his Livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And 
Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. Those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Heavenly Father, as we look at This conversation, Father, would you challenge us on the spiritual conversations that you are calling us to have? Father, those conversations that you desire me to have, us to have. God, would you uh, focus us even now to be praying for those who is our one. God, may we see the factors of this conversation and how the conversation, Father, moved from the needs of the day to the needs of life. Father, I pray for us in this room. God, that you would speak to us. You would speak to us personally. Father, you would speak to us as a body of believers this morning to to hear from you and to, to act upon what you're calling us to. Father, move. In me, Father, move in us this morning. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. In the seat backs in front of you, there are slips of paper that look like this. And I would ask for those of you that are seated there to take those out. And as we look at this passage, even now, I would ask that you would ask God, okay, Lord, who do you want me to be praying for? Who do you want me to start a conversation with? If there is not a sheet of paper in front of you directly, there should be a bulletin top that looks kind of like this, and you can write your person's name down here. 
And at the end of the service, there'll be an offering, and I would ask that you would put those slips of paper in the offering so that we, the staff and I, so that we as a whole body can be praying for those individuals. Just write their first name down. Don't write their last name down. I wrote three people's names down, Tracy, David, and Fred, three people that live on my street that uh, this week I want to start conversations with. And so um, those are who I am praying for that God would give me an opportunity this week to uh, start those conversations. Three factors in the conversation. The first factor is this. If you look in verses 7 down through verse 14, you see the questions that are raised in the conversation. They hit all depths of life. The questions that are raised by this lady, this woman, and the questions that are raised by Jesus in this conversation, they hit all depths of life. The first depth that it, that it hits is right there on the surface. Jesus comes to the well. In verses 1 through 6, it states that he had to be there. She came because of necessity of the day. She had to be there. She had to be there to get water. She had to get there because the, the water at her house was dried out. And she came with a bucket to dip in the well to get water. Jesus came to this well, it is stated in verses 1 through 6, because he had to go to um, Galilee and he had to come this way. There are multiple ways to get to Galilee from Jerusalem, and most Jews in his day would not come this way. Even though this was the most direct way, this is not the direction that they would go because they wanted to bypass individuals like her, Samaritans. But John records, oh, we had to go this way. There was an appointment that Jesus needed to meet, and he was going to meet it, and it happened at a well in Sychar. And it happened with an individual, a woman, a Samaritan. And so the questions that are raised start on the surface. They start with personal daily needs. You and I look at these verses in verse number 7 down through verse number 11. Verse number 12 down through verse 14. And those questions that are raised, they go from the surface and then they hit just a little deeper and then they hit a, a core essence of hurt in the individual, in the woman. When you start the conversation this week with those individuals, whether... It's Tracy, David, Fred, or whoever that you have written down to start the conversations. There are these moments and these connections that you and I are to have, that you and I can have, because every single one of us have daily needs. Maybe the conversations that you and I have this week start with items that we have in common with them. 
Whether it's exercise or reading or job or leisure activities, whether it's family and our kids are the same age, the same stage of life, the same activities that we're carting them around to or carting them away from, and that's where the conversations begin. These questions start out on the surface or in general, yet they quickly go to specific needs. Questions raised in the conversation hit all depths. To be honest, this is the easiest part of a spiritual conversation. If you and I start the conversation, the easiest part of the conversation is seeing where we connect seeing what we have in common, or seeing what we have in contrast, and speaking on those terms and those levels. And it is fine and dandy to start the conversation there, to hit those needs that are happening on a daily basis, but please make sure that you and I, when we have these conversations, whether it's in the hallways at schools, whether it's at the job site or across the fence, at the house. Don't stop the conversation there. It's a start of a spiritual conversation, but it is not a spiritual conversation if it never gets to things spiritual. The second factor of this conversation, not only do we see the needs of a daily life and the surface being broken and going to different depths of life, but we see a second factor that you and I need to understand and we need to be alert of. Look there in verse number 16. We see this second factor, be alert because diversion is often used to maneuver through sore spots. Just imagine yourself in the conversation, okay? Just imagine you are talking with Jesus, okay? And you have never met Jesus before. You've never met this man, and he is sitting down at the well that you're trying to draw water from, and he is about to hit a sore spot in you. You have never talked to him. You've never seen him. You've never seen him in the background. He doesn't know you. You don't think. You've never met him. And he says to you, after you ask these questions, and he asks some questions, he says, all right, if you want this living water, why don't you go get your husband and come back here and let's really have a discussion. Let's go deep in this topic. And you, if there's one subject you don't want to touch, it's your personal life because of the train wreck that has been your personal life. The heartache and the hurt that has been your personal life, it is, as I stated, a sore spot. And trying to just glass over it, you say to Jesus, just like this woman does, I don't have a husband. And Jesus will not allow you to just glass over that need, that hurt. And he says, you're right in saying you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the man that you have right now, he's not your husband. And trying to get the 
spotlight, the, the, the beam of the sun off of you, you try to divert it by saying, all right, let's change the subject and let's talk about worship. And maybe that's what you've done. Maybe when those pointed questions and those conversations hit sore spots, you try to divert that, deflect it, try to get the spotlight off of you. It is only human for us to do that. We hate that. We hate to be called out. I I don't know about you, but at my house... When conversations go this direction and I'm getting called out, I think, sometimes I have stated and I try not to say this ever, but I think, you know what, I hate being preached to. And guess what, you're sitting here and I'm preaching. I get that. I get that. But do you understand what happens as she diverts the conversation. There was a huge hurt in her life, and it was that personal husband issue. But in trying to divert it off of that, she actually diverts it to a more weighty subject for her. She, she tries to get the spotlight off of her, but in essence, all she is doing is she is digging deeper into her personal needs and her personal core, and Jesus is willing and ready to pounce right there and say, okay, you're true. We don't have to talk about husbands. We don't have to talk about wives, boyfriends, girlfriends. We don't have to talk about that. Let's go even deeper at your core. Your core is all about worship. Who are you worshiping, Samaritan woman? Well, you say that we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. We say that we can worship on this mountain, and they are overlooking a mountain called Gerizim. And there are some ruins there. Because when the the tribes of Israel split... And there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom said, well, we can't go to Jerusalem because we're not going to our enemy, so we're going to make our own place to worship. And they built a temple on the mountain to worship. And it was right next door to Sychar where they were standing. And she says, we say that we can worship on that mountain, even though at this moment in time that mountain Temple is in ruins because the Babylonians came through. The Babylonians demolished the temple. They still believed the Samaritans did that they could worship right here. And the Jews said, no, you got to go to Jerusalem to worship. And Jesus said, ain't wrong on both accounts. But he hits the core of her need. And it is about worship. And River Bend today, you and I have a need because of how God created you. He created you to worship, students, adults. He created you to worship. You will worship something or someone. I will worship something or someone because that is how God created us. He created us to worship.
The question is not, will you worship every single human in all of existence, past and present, and all that God will allow to be birthed and to grow up, will worship something or someone. The question isn't, will we worship? The question is, what are or who are we worshiping? She tries to divert the spotlight and it only intensifies on her. And my question for us this morning is this, what are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? With your time that God gives you, what are you worshiping? With your finances, what are you worshiping? With your lives, River Bend, who or what are we worshiping? As you start the conversations this week, be alert. Because those that you are conversating with, they will try their best to divert away from the sore spots. A third and final factor of this conversation and of spiritual conversations is seen in verses 22 through 26. Let me read the verses for us and see this factor. The factor is this, the aim of every spiritual conversation The aim of every spiritual conversation is Jesus and His reason for coming. You worship what you do not know, Jesus states. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him, they must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. In those verses, I need to draw your attention to one word. It's used multiple times in those verses. The word is oida. In Greek, the word there is to know. In the New Testament, there are two words for the word know, K-N-O-W. For you and me to know something, there are two different words that are used. One word is gnosko, it's to know about. And another word, this word oida, is used to know, to experience. To know because you have lived through it. And that is the word that is used here. Look back in verse 22. You worship what you do not know by experience. Jesus challenges the woman at the well. You worship something. You know about it. You think that you have everything uh, down pat in your religion, in your tradition, in your experience. But I'm telling you, you don't. You worship something, someone that you do not experientially know. And if that is the case for us today, Riverbend, if that is the case for us today, you and I will die 
physically, and we will spend eternity away from Him. If all you are doing, if all we are doing is here, worshiping because of tradition, worshiping this way because this is our personal likes, and we do not know Him by experience. We know a ton of things about Him, but we don't know Him personally. You and I will spend eternity away from Him. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. Then verse 25, she says this, I know I know that Messiah is coming. I know that there is going to be an anointed one. I know that the Christ, the Messiah, is coming. And the light bulbs turn on. And Jesus says, hey, the person you're talking with right now, the person that these conversations and these questions that have hit home, that have brought up some hurts in you and have shown you some deeper hurts that you weren't even thinking about when you were coming to the well today. That person who's speaking to you, the Christ, the Messiah, I'm He. Spiritual conversations. The aim, the focus of the spiritual conversation is on Jesus and is on the reason of His coming. At this moment in the conversation, the disciples show up. At this moment in the conversation, they they come around the bend and they see Jesus and the woman talking and I'm sure they're startled. Because Jesus has broken every Jewish law in starting a conversation and keeping a conversation going with a woman in public, but even worse, a Samaritan, their enemy. And I can just think about the conversation that is going on between Peter, James, and John and the rest of the twelve as they're like, all right, who's going to bring it up? I mean, who's going to tell him that you can't do this, Jesus? I mean, have you just forgotten every aspect of uh, being a rabbi and a Jew? And as the disciples come closer, the woman runs away from Jesus back to the town. And the disciples start conversing with Jesus. And I love what Jesus says to the disciples. And might you and I take heed to what he says. He says this, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Hey, Rabbi, eat there in verse 31. It's not going to be on the screen, but you follow along in your copy of God's Word. He said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, they're talking amongst themselves, who gave him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. 
do you not say? Do people not say? Do you not say that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look up. Look. I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For for here... The saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Guys, look up. It's not four months into the harvest. The the harvest is plentiful right now. And as they looked up, the whole town is walking toward them. The whole town comes out and says, hey, this lady just told us about this. They just, she just told us that you told her about every aspect of her life. Would you please stay here? And so they stay. Jesus stays for a few days. And they come to this statement after that. It's not because of what you said, woman at the well, but because of what you have stated, Jesus, that we believe. I've asked you to write down a name. I've asked you to think about a person that you know that is far from God, that may not know Him or may have stated that he or she knows Him but is far from Him in the way that they live. In seeking to apply this passage... Let me give you two quotes. The the first one is not um, the one that you'll see on the screen. The first one is from uh, Andreas Kostenberger when he was writing about this in his commentary. He said this concerning verse 26. I who speak to you am He. Jesus stating that. This is the climactic pronouncement of the dialogue. It's also congruent with the gospel's purpose statement in chapter 20, verse 31. These things that I have written that you might know, oida, that you might know that you have eternal life. The woman knew about the coming of the Messiah. She had encountered Jesus. Now she was faced with the claim that these two figures We're one. That Jesus is the Messiah, and the Messiah is Jesus. And when you have conversations, spiritual conversations with individuals, that same claim is stated. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who gives eternal life. He is the one who brings eternal life. And the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is Jesus. And Warren Wiersbe stated it this way, and this is the quote that you'll see on the screen. We might note the example Christ sets as a soul winner. He didn't allow personal prejudices or physical needs to hinder him. He met this woman in a friendly way, didn't force her into a decision. Wisely, he guided the conversation and allowed the word to take effect in her heart. 
He dealt with her privately and lovingly presented the way of salvation. He captured her attention by speaking about something common and at hand, water. And used this as an illustration of eternal life. So how do you and how do I apply this for our lives? I wrote down six things, and I'll state them for us quickly. How you and I can take conversations, episodes, accounts of Scripture, like this conversation here in John chapter 4, and apply it to our lives today. First, pray. Pray. Pray for God to give you that one individual. Second, be a good friend to that person. Be a good friend to that person. Third, start the conversation. Whether there are things in common or there are things in contrast, start the conversation knowing that they will seek to divert it if there are sore spots. But start the conversation. Pray, be a good friend, start the conversation. Four, trust that God is working. Five, if you've forgotten, be a good friend. Because sometimes we want to start the conversation and we want to have the conversation just to get the information in front of them and we want to quit being a good friend. Why? Because the way that they live their lives... Show who they are. They are a sinner. And guess what, folks? Sinners sin. And sinners are good at sinning. And if you have forgotten, you and I are good at sinning too. We just like to cover up our sin, especially when we come into a place like this. We we like to cover it up. But we're good at sinning. They're good at sinning. Sinners sin. You can quote me on it. Be a good friend. Understand that sinners are going to sin. Does not mean that you and I are to sin with them, but you and I are not judge. And seven, after you and I are to be a good friend, after we are to pray, be a good friend, start the conversation, trust God that He's working, we're a friend, we understand that they are going to sin. Finally, Know this, that if you are doing those things, when life hits a rocky spot, when a loved one dies, when a job is lost, when the spouse goes crazy, when the kids don't and they rebel, when life happens, they'll come to you. And life will happen. It's going to happen Monday through Sunday. It may not happen this week, but it'll happen next week. It may not happen this month, but it'll happen next month. It may not happen this year, but if you are a good friend, and I'm a good friend, and we've started that conversation, they know where we stand, and life does happen, guess what? They're coming to you. And when that happens, share. Because that's why God has you here. So I don't know the names that are on your sheets of paper at this moment, but I do know that for every single one of them that we are going to pray for, 
life's about to happen. And are we willing to have those conversations? Heavenly Father, I come to you and I thank you for the conversation that you had with this woman at the well. Father, I thank you for the conversation that you had with me in a converted garage studying one night. That there was a conversation between my dad and me about you. And life changed. Life began spiritually for me there. Father, for these names that are written on sheets of paper, and God, others that we haven't written down yet, that we aren't praying for yet, God, may we be obedient. And may we see You move. God, You move mountains. You move rivers for Your will to be done. Father, for every single one of us in the room, may may we be reminded this week that you did not give us a spirit of fear, but you gave us your spirit. You gave us yourself who lives in us of power and might. So Lord, this week as the students and teachers go to the classroom, Father, would you allow those conversations to be had amongst friends and co-workers and teachers and students. Fathers, we go to the job site. We go to the office. Fathers, we come home and sit around the tables. Talk to our neighbors. May those conversations go deeper than surface. May the conversations begin spiritual needs. Father, for us in the room this morning, some of us here have grown up with religious traditions and we've known about You and about You and about You and about You. God, there are men and women in this room for years, for decades, they've known about You. Father, I pray that they would know You. We would know You by experience. Confront us right now. And may we respond. Father, You rule and reign in all glory and splendor and might. Father, I pray that as we, uh, we come to this time of invitation, God, that we would come to You and we would obey You. Whatever You call us to do, whether that is to bow the knee and confess with our mouth or whether that is to open and start a conversation today, whatever it is, we would obey. For You are God. And you deserve all glory and worship and praise. So River Ben, would you stand and would you respond back to him as we sing?
time for you to respond to him. Alex and worship team, you lead us. You have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church. We hope you enjoyed it. Live sin.